Hey Houston, Khan's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Cons today and find out what invincible feels like. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. They are among you. Their looks allow them to blend in with crowds. They are walking with your children. They are in your grocery store buying a loaf of rye bread. Who are they? Analogies for communists and possibly other things. Let's talk today. They are stood still on on film. <laughs> Commies, they're everywhere, Zach. Yeah. They might be sitting right next to you on the bus. In the 50s. No. That's what I that's what I love about these sci-fi movies from the 50s, especially when they go totally crazy. Is that mm-hmm. And we'll talk about some of the other meanings and, and things that pop sure, up in this sure, movie. Sure. But the fact that it's like a blatant, you don't know who the commie is next to you. Yes. Be aware. Be scared. Trust your military and your government because we will protect you. God, you, you think? Do you think that's really the the message of the day the air suit still? That's not the overall message, but that is the underlying – that is one of the underlying uh, themes that run through this is okay. that – they even say right in the movie when uh, Klaatu meets the uh, the secretary, he's like, look, we're in a very different political sure. environment than what you're used to. We don't get mm-hmm. along with the other people. And then suddenly it's like, yeah, you know, those other people, you should be scared of them. You know, those other people, you should be watch out for them. You don't trust the alien. Right. So the alien here could be an alien from outer space or someone from another country. See, to me, like if that was the theme, then that is a problem like i think it failed because i think this is Klaatu's story like yeah. he's the protagonist oh, of no, the no, story but there is this yeah. thing of no no there's no question that he's not the protagonist but it is this be aware be afraid of your neighbor right. be aware be afraid of that stranger that's the that's, that's the backdrop mm-hmm, right? right this is the that's the climate that Klaatu comes to but right. the story i would mm-hmm. say is actually fighting that right and i got the exact tries to agree, yeah. tries to from the from the end of the movie, though, I got the message that it's a strong warning of if you do, if you mm-hmm. act that way, if you're paranoid and hateful and and you know fractious and deceitful, then greater forces will come down and wipe you off the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah, definitely it's there, but I think that it's it's there to try and make the point that you don't want to live like that, that it's dangerous to live like mm-hmm. that. And that the, you know, the aliens is watching is. <laughs> but, you know, Klaatu even says, hey, look, we don't care if you guys are going to fight. We don't care if you guys don't get along. If you guys want to blow each other up, fine. But you just better not equip those things to rockets and come out into space or else we will stomp on you. Which comes into the second part or the one of the second underlying themes of this story of um, the alien representing a god. Hmm. Uh, especially in this case, Old Testament god of if you don't straighten up, we're going to come down and stomp you out. That uh, Old Testament yeah, one. Well, I think uh, that one's interesting because 
if you go with the biblical analogy, yeah. you get Old Testament and New Testament yes, in it with Klaatu and uh, Gork. Yes. What's his name? Gort. Gort. Yeah. Gort. 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 G-O-R-T. Uh, where Gort is uh, vengeful, wrathful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone dies when uh, Klaatu is more like dying and coming back to life and right. being like, yo, let's, Klaatu becomes let's, a... let's just not like, maybe you shouldn't fight. Well, or maybe so you shouldn't was... hurt like people. Um, Klaatu is been compared to uh, Christ in, mm-hmm. in this movie. That was the other thing that, that comes out. And um, when this movie was being done, the director did not talk to the actors about this. He was just mm-hmm. like, let's let this come out naturally. This is my intention, but let's see how they play it and see what comes out. And they went to the movie rating board. The movie rating board is like, this guy's Christ. You got to knock that down a little bit. And so they had to go back in and add the line when she asks, oh, you've come back to life. Does this mean you're going to live forever? And they had to add in the line where he's like, um, no one knows how long we're going to be here. Only the the great spirit or whatever the the almighty spirit uh, can make <laughs> that, that determination. That was the line they added in to make it to less make him, of a Christ figure? To make him less of a Christ figure, right. yes. That, that, that line makes it more of, this dude totally is Christ. No, no, no. Well, in my mind, he ascends, I mean, he comes back to yeah. life. He ascends to heaven at the yeah. end of the movie. Right. Yeah, so, so to say, oh, no, someone else controls the, the, the strings of right. life and death, much like in the Bible, Jesus doesn't, but God, I mean, whatever, but like, they're connected and things. Sure. Right. I mean, I mean yeah. Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night, Klaatu right. was taken down in the middle of the night. So, like, Absolutely. even adding that line, I don't even think even step... Klaatu is a friend of all children, yeah. Rodrigo is a friend of all children. That's yes. right. Rodrigo yeah. has a long beard. <laughs> Klaatu adopts the Rodrigo name Carpenter. Uh-huh. Rodrigo Superstar. Rodrigo <laughs> Superstar. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, I mean, there have been, I mean, and it's not uh, from the director's standpoint. I mean, he wasn't trying to make this a, a retelling of, of Jesus, but he was putting in some of these Christ analogies into the story. Yeah. I mean, and. And, and and it is a storytelling structure that we mm-hmm. see like all over the place for long periods of time. Right. So, um, but being America, I mean, in the Western culture, it is like that story is tied in with the Christ. I mean, because mm-hmm. you see other voices, but it's tied back into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing in this movie? Wrap your religion up with sci-fi. <sighs> um. Well, okay. Well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by bad thing? Does, I'm just saying, is, is it, it a good idea? Is it or, off-putting? Is it a good thing? Is um, it? Uh, does it seem to be in conflict with many belief systems? Um, you know, it's interesting because it's only recently that the the Catholic Church, yeah, uh, has started to acknowledge that there may be other beings uh, out there in space. <laughs> yeah. Up until then, it was like, no, we are the only ones. Yeah. Uh, but now it's been softened a little bit to be. Well, you know that there's probably other creatures out there that uh, God has created and that also probably believe in him. Sure. You know, that kind of, and I don't know, I don't really follow everything. I just, every time it says the church recognizes alien life, I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, that is an ideological belief. What do they know? (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's fascinating because the the church, uh, no, I say the church, I mean the Catholic Catholic church, church. Mm -hmm. um, Roman Catholicism, uh, they do have... 
huge science branches and they mm-hmm. do have mm-hmm. uh, astronomy stations located around the world, uh, which I find fascinating. That's right. Uh, so, so is it a bad thing wrapping up? Uh, I mean, if you're going to hide, a, if you're going to hide a religious message inside of a movie, is sci-fi the best way to do it, or is there another way to do it? I mean, we've kind of seen well, Neo <laughs> kind of follows yeah, into yeah. the same well, I guess, Christ figure. Yeah, well, he's even in this movie. So, <laughs> not this movie. <laughs> this is 1951. Yes, 1951. So you get into a place where this, in the way, like. I would think like a Neo or a Matrix does a Christ figure or this movie does like a Christ figure thing. Uh, I'm like, I think it's like it's done fine because mm-hmm. uh, it's just like the figure, like that idea of the Christ person who comes and tries to save people. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and that whole like the whole story arc for that. I think uh, it's an interesting one to put into stories where I think it goes wrong is when it's like so heavy handed, like this is the only way you can be saved is Mm. if, Mm -hmm. uh, because Klaatu is more like, like I'm like, I'm leaving. You're like, I'm not doing anything. You guys just settle out. Just don't like, Go be dicks in space. (laughs) 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 What were you going to say, Rodrigo? I, I think that interestingly, you can you can see even some of the same um, philosophical issues that may not have been intended in this movie, as you see with you know just people analyzing religion, right? Like for example, the revelation that Gord is from a race of robots that they have given their mm-hmm. freedom to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like yeah, so, they put them in yeah ultimate so, control. So the choice is. Um, you can do whatever you want, or you can give, like, if you want peace, to the you have to mm-hmm. give control of your life to something else. To the military. Right? Well, or to God. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's right. like, in order to live, like, the perfect life, you have to relinquish this autonomy that mm-hmm. presumably God also gave you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's this really, com- like, when, when he said that, I was like, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds terrible yeah. to have robots shoot you because you commit a crime. It's interesting, you know, because when I get to that part in the movie, I'm thinking, oh, at one time before the Green Lantern Corps was formed, they had uh, a bunch of robots, hunters. Yeah. the Manhunters, that yeah. did this exact same thing. And I could not find <laughs> any reference to... The day the Earth stood still, and the Green Lantern mythos mm-hmm. to see if there was some kind of inspiration of Gort leading to the Manhunters. I just couldn't find any of that. But it's an I interesting don't know if it's that there's influence. Yeah, it, yeah, I bet it wasn't direct. But I mean, obviously, all that stuff because the Manhunters are a big retcon. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah they mean, were a retcon in the mid seventies, which yeah, means yeah. you know a quarter century afterwards. That said. Uh, the people who created Green Lantern, especially in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, were huge sci-fi type guys. And I would say, you know, it's almost, I won't say impossible, but it seems highly unlikely that there was no intention to at least, you know, touch on that. Well, uh, the day the Earth stood still, uh, you know, uh, what its own influences aside is a hugely influential sci-fi yes, piece. Yes, it is. Yes, All, it is. like... 100% of modern sci-fi can trace something back to the earth the day the earth so so, so many things mm-hmm. from you know the the classic line that everybody knows more i th- i think more people know 
the line Klaatu Barata Niktu mm-hmm. from uh, Army of Darkness than they right. do from this movie, uh, which is, again, fascinating. The um, Now, we've seen saucer-shaped ships before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's fascinating about the saucer in this one is it was co-designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright, <laughs> who helped, des- helped design the interior. But the exterior of the ship is also drawn from inspiration from um, a building that he designed that a lot of people might know. Uh, what is it? The Wax Building in uh, Michigan, where you go into the main workforce lobby area. It's like a two or three story workforce area, main floor. And these columns that uh, Frank Lloyd Wright designed start out kind of normal at the bottom. But as they go go up, they kind of expand a little bit and then they flatten out at the top and curve up. And all the lighting is beneath that. So it kind of bounces up and falls down and it makes you feel like you're in a forest mm-hmm. or it really if you see it. And I know people the minute that they see it would say, oh, I've seen that picture before. Very sci fi mm-hmm. in its mm-hmm. in its uh, nature. And of course, in the 1950s, um, uh, Wright is starting to move away from his arts and crafts movement, which is very flat um, and and angular to a more circular mm. uh, design because he, I forget what year he designed the Guggenheim uh, museum, but, uh, or the addition of the Guggenheim, but that's the whole spiral part of the Guggenheim that people know Lloyd designed that as a, he, he was making this transition from phase. So if this, somebody look up real quick, Matthew, look up when the Guggenheim edition by Frank Lloyd Wright was done. If this is a, something that happens in the middle of his transition period, it's fascinating to suddenly see, because when we're inside mm. the ship, we see a lot of the Lloyd Wright flat, angular design um but then it's also this transition to some smooth curves on the outside and i think that that would be fascinating to point to this and say look at this this is in that transition period of uh of a frank lloyd wright did you did you find it matthew i'm looking unsuccessfully at the internet go ahead and vamp for another 32 seconds i got something what do you got so um i had i had a professor uh, I had a sound design professor in school mm-hmm. um, who would compl- who complained very bitterly about the day the Earth stood still and uh, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, um, because uh, he was in sci-fi stuff. He was making all that a lot of those uh, things. He was a, he was like really young at the time, right? Um, and he just hated those movies because they defined what laser beams sound like right. and what uh, and what a spaceship taking mm-hmm. off and landing sounds like. And from then on, every spaceship that we've ever seen and every laser that ever gets fired is a an echo yeah. of the day the Earth is still and Forbidden Planet. Right. A theremin is in yep. big use here now. Again, I don't remember what day, um, what year um, Forbidden Planet came out, but fifty-six. Theremin is a is a huge tonal piece in in the music of this piece um so reference guggenheim museum was completed in 1951 or sorry 1959 yeah 1959 is when they moved into the Mm -hmm. to the new museum with the spiral frank lloyd wright uh design so 51 is in that time period of of lloyd moving and and uh maybe he was trying stuff out maybe so i just find it i mean i'm a i'm a huge frank lloyd wright fan Mm -hmm. um not necessarily a fan of his personal life, but um, well, sure. But of his work, it's just. Are you a fan of anybody's personal life? Uh, yeah, there. I mean, there are some people that I really. Their uh, I guess they're like big philanthropists or something like that. Maybe. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Smith, Bill Gates. Um, yeah, you're just like, oh, these are cool guys. I like the way that they roll. 
yeah. I like the way they roll. I like their their theory and their belief system. Okay. Um, I, I mean, for the most part, I like I like Frank Lloyd's right Wright's personal life. There were some times where he did some things I thought were a little shady that uh-huh. I don't necessarily always one hundred percent agree with. But from his philosophy, yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright is a very cool person. I, I never look into people's like personal life. I, right. I just, yeah, I'm just like. If I try to find out anything about this person, they're going to turn out to be terrible. <laughs> I'll just follow their work and that's it. Well, and that's the reason why you don't want to ever go look into Edison. Oh, uh, sure. Because if, if people are a fan of, oh, Thomas Edison is the greatest inventor in the world, it's total bullshit <laughs> when you look into <laughs> into his life. And I have a personal one-man crusade to enlighten people about how evil and vile it's, Thomas Edison it's, was. It's you and the oatmeal. Yes, that's right. And the graham crackers. Um <laughs> Um, hey, Matthew, this movie has one of those, uh, hey, it's that person moments. I know, right? You just want to get some kerosene pickles. <laughs> this is that's, a, that's a deep dive reference, Zach. I know season, what that means. Season one of the, the Andy Griffith show. Uh-huh. It's established that Aunt B can't make pickles and that her pickles taste like kerosene. Skip it. And and you're talking about Aunt B can't make some pickles. Aunt B is Aunt in this B. movie. Yeah, Aunt B I know. Can't make pickles. She can't make a pickle. Don't you just put it in some, I don't know, some pickling juice and throw just, it in a cupboard for like eight months or something? Yeah, that's how you make them. It's <laughs> that easy. Do that? My world is shattered. It's it's about the um. You have to seal the the. No, you can actually properly. you can actually make uh, pickles in your refrigerator. Oh, uh, you well, just, never mind. Uh, you just take a brine. I, 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 you know what? I was thinking about preserves. Like preserves, oh, yeah, preserves you, you, you have to you have to seal it properly, seal otherwise it, yes. they rot. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. No, there's no way to screw up a pickle. Apparently. Yeah. You just put it uh, maybe in some that, brine, throw it that, in your refrigerator. Was that the joke? Yeah. Is that somehow she managed to yes. screw up the most unscrew? Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. And also, uh, we're on the same page now. The first season of the or from the the movie version of the Waltons is in this too. But, you know, that's, again, something that you're just not going to get. I, you know, I never so. really thought about what was the translation of the Klaatu Barada Niktu, um, what it really meant. Mm-hmm. Although it does have Klaatu's name in it. Right. So it's, it has to do something with him when he's giving instructions to Gort. And you have to think about it. This is a whole created language that right. was done for this film. Mm-hmm. And why is there's you can go online, you can find pictures of the actual script where he's writing in how do you pronounce these words correctly? Um, there've been a couple of uh, linguists that have gone through and tried to translate or come up with a translation. One of the ones that I like that seems to fit is I die, repair me, do not retaliate. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Gort does. Sure. Interesting. Klaatu is dead. Mm-hmm. Go and get him by any means necessary, revive him, but don't kill anybody. Don't yeah. blow stuff up. Yeah, which is the opposite of what I thought it was going to be, where uh, I'm dead. Kill them all. Yeah, take them out. <laughs> well, you know, this movie, going back to the to the pacifist role of let's, let's all get along, mm-hmm. um, this movie is unlike most other 1950s space movies. Uh, Earth versus yeah, the Flying no, Saucers. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, Mars Attacks. Uh, not Mars yeah. Attacks. Um, Invaders from Mars. Mm-hmm. Invasion of the Body Mars. Snatchers, which mm-hmm. we're going to look at next week. It is yeah. all come down and destroy and blow right, stuff up right. and all As this they stuff. are the enemy. I mean, it is very much yeah. that Red Scare thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but here it's very much, hey, man, we just want to do right to you, but why are you being a dick to me? 
Yeah. Why did you shoot yeah. me? Why did you blow up this gift that I had for you? So, so great is like, oh, it's a gift for the president. Ah, you shot it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the other thing, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about um, about the church kind of relaxing their stance on on alien life. Do you think people have become accustomed to this thing about aliens are out there and that there's other life out there and we will probably be we may be visited at some point? You know, it used to be, again, in the 1950s. Oh my God, aliens, we better go out and, and hunt those guys, blow things up. They're different from us. You mean, like, okay the with mindset, the fact that it's, the, that it's possible, or would they be okay with someone actually So here's, you up? know, the, the going into conspiracy theories, which is something that Matthew and Bruce Otter and I were debating back and forth a week or two ago on Twitter, was that, why does the government want to keep alien life secret why does the church want to keep this stuff secret in, in the idea well not <laughs> in movies they? but in real life oh, if sure. you believe why, that, why would unquote. they do yeah, that why would they yeah, do right. that and the, and the thought is that the populace could not handle their belief structure suddenly being torn away and saying yeah there is life out there and look they do look like us or they don't look like us mm-hmm. and suddenly people saying well if this if i thought this was made up all this time what else is real or not real and there was this big theory that if you tell people that there are aliens visiting us on a regular basis and abducting us, people would just lose their crap mm-hmm. in real life. People would just lose their crap and couldn't handle it. But we've seen movies like E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Independence Day, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Earth versus the Flying Saucer. We've been exposed to all of this stuff over the years that I bet if you took a poll today, people really could care less i mean when when bill clinton came out and said hey we found possible evidence of microbial life on mars mm-hmm. people are like yeah okay no big deal life goes on well th- but then again finding microbes yeah. is different from finding a sentient human-like you, race but that's very easy to extrapolate further that well if we found microbes then yeah but probably that's, but are. that's that's something that nerds do like you and me but, I mean, and Zach honestly, and matthew um, 50. we, we exist sometimes in this tank, right. Full of other nerds. And sometimes, yes, sometimes we like forget jello. that there are non nerds out there. No, but like, I think in, in we the extrapolate pub- stuff public, like that though, in the general public though, you go back to the 1950s and sixties and there was this definite fear of there's something out there and we have to kill it before it kills us. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, by the ni- time the 1970s and eighties rolls around, People start to relax a little bit more well, about it. And today, well, we to I bet the, if you did a, I bet, a, I bet if you went out and pulled people on the street and said, if an alien landed, if an alien from another planet landed, and is there definite confirmation that some species from another planet was visiting us on a regular basis, would that freak you out or not? More, I would bet more people are going to say, doesn't bother me. I, I think it's a. Uh... I think Zach has a good point that the lunar landing probably had a lot to do with that. That at some point, man became the master of space because we got to that satellite over there. (laughs) Well, but there's the other interesting thing is in the 80s, um, for those of you that are old enough to remember, Ronald Reagan made this really weird comment. And he made it multiple times where he was like, you know, someday and this is paraphrasing. Basically, he was saying, you know, someday there may be a threat from from somewhere that we're all going to have to get together mm-hmm. and join forces against. And we're going to all have to get along when this threat arrives. And a lot of people mm-hmm. try to, inter- Matthew, you remember warming. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not global warming. That's not it. But a lot of people interpret his comments to be that the government knows that there are aliens out there mm-hmm. and comments like that and exposure of aliens through media over the years is a way of numbing the populace to the fact that this <laughs> stuff is real. What if he was just been like, OK, well, guys, it's Ronald Reagan. He was I suffering. A... He was suffering from from dementia and Alzheimer's. Sure. Uh, at this point. But so, what if I mean, he, he could have been doing anything. What if he would have been like this? Because this might be something I would do if I was president, which is why I never get involved. Like, okay, guys, having a press conference today. Meet me in the garden at 3.30. And then you just kind of drop subtle hints that we think we've found something. And then, yeah. you, and then you go back in, into the into the West Wing and you start fist bumping all your bros like, oh, they're totally going to read into this way too far. I was, I'm just joshing with them. Let's go shoot some hoops. No, I don't think I, so. If you, if you want to awesome, get, get into the conspiracy theory of that, I think that is probably a, a, a very, that is the most believable, one of the most believable conspiracy theories I've ever heard that <laughs> the government knows that there are aliens or, or strongly yes. suspects and they've been trying to numb the population through or pop prepare, culture or prepare them. Um, right. And the only reason why I think that's not true is because uh, humans are always fascinated by the unknown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we still do space stuff is because the space is still unknown. Mm-hmm. The way that um, crazy magical invaders used to come from other countries. Now, yeah. every country in the in the world is somehow connected to every country in the world. There's no undiscovered yeah. land masses. Yeah, no, that's, that, um, that's except that's for that theory. except for that island face from Life of Pi. <laughs> um, that, that's my whole theory about magic. Is that mm-hmm. when the nuclear bomb went off, magic died, right? Uh, because there's no nothing left unexplored. Everything is science, not magic. Science. No. I wonder though if this movie played out in real life today. Mm-hmm. If a UFO landed in the mall mm-hmm. in Washington, or, of course, it has to land in America. Um, but let's say it landed well, in... Let's get back let's, to that. Let's, say it, landed, let's yeah. say it landed in Mexico City. Sure. Guy came, comes out. Makes sense. By some rubrics, the biggest city in the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You want to get noticed, go to the biggest city. Sure. Um, lands in Mexico City, comes out and says, hey, guys, I'm from another planet. Mm-hmm. You guys have been put on notice that if you don't straighten up your act... We will annihilate you. And oh, by the way, I'm going to stop all electricity in the world for a half hour just to prove our power. You think we'd straighten up? You think we'd say, hey, wait a minute. Maybe we do need to rethink some of this stuff. Uh, or do you think you think it'd last all of five minutes and we'd be well, back to beating each other over the head with rocks? Well, it, the, the important thing about uh, I think the the smart thing that this movie does is that the very first thing that happens is an accidental hostile movement by humans yeah, right? right so yes. the very first thing that happens <laughs> is somebody accidentally well sort of accidentally shoots cloud two right he's like ah and then the robot's like bzz, 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 and it's like they very quickly prove that they have superior military technology right? right so if that was the first thing that happened then people would be like well okay so we can't nuke mexico city <laughs> um not today can we can no we okay we can't nuke mexico city um, and we can't shoot this guy to death. We can't shoot this robot to death. It's impenetrable and unstoppable, right? It's like, all right, now that we've established that we can't beat them by just hitting them with rocks, let's listen to what they have to say. Like, I think that is, in fact, what would happen. You think that would happen, Zach? Oh, yeah. They totally nailed it when uh, the dude shot Klaatu because 
guns would be coming out so, especially if it landed in America, mm-hmm. there would be so many guns out, and they'd all be just pointing at the, the ship, and probably all of them just firing yeah, at but once. Do, but do you think Putin, the ship lands in Mexico City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Putin would say, oh, that uh, alien that's in Mexico, he's got some things I'm going to say, yeah, let me... Let me turn off all my nuclear switches and let me go sit down and show up to the United Nations and we're all going to we're going to hash this out. and We're going to make this work. Um, or do you current, think it's going to be current, no. or do you think it's going to be? Oh, that's one of those. That's another lie from the Mexican government. Uh, They're staging yeah, this. Sure. We must retaliate now. It, it seems especially this summer, it seems that. Uh, the world is in such turmoil, turmoil, especially you know in the Middle East, in the kind of old USSR block that, and in the U.S. Yeah, and in, yeah, in the U.S. That uh, for people to get along all over the world forever, essentially, is kind of a big deal because it hasn't happened. In forever. So, so that's that's actually something that I was thinking about a lot when I saw this movie. Is this was a bad idea on Klaatu's part and on his people's part his to people's send part, yeah. one saucer, have it sit down, show that they're superior, and then basically threaten humanity. It's like yeah. if they knew anything about humans, they would know that humans in general usually don't respond well to threats well and and that's when he's meeting with the secretary the secretary's like man you've been you may have been listening to our radio broadcast but you know nothing yeah. about the way we work and right. the way we think and the way we act he's just he's basically saying your mission even though you won't tell me what your mission is is failed from the start is what he's saying mm-hmm. so i i think the filmmakers kind of understood that and even yeah. though they're trying to say hey monkeys pay attention I think at the same time, they're also saying we're never going to rise up beyond this. The only thing I could see happening uh, is peace comes over the world. Only in the fact of they all bang together to try to build some intergalactic war force to go take out their... Well, and that's the the plot of Independence Day, right? I mean, in order for everyone to take down these alien invaders, Mm. everyone around the world has to set aside their differences... Work together to defeat these these ships, right. which and is exactly what they told them not to do. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that movie, though, because Independence Day is really the day the Earth stood still on steroids, uh, right down to you know the the destruction of major monuments, the breakdown of communication. You granted, there's 150,000 ships instead of just the one, but in 1951, saying no. Don't be jerks. Don't fight these people. Didn't have the same play as it did in 2000, 2000, 1999, 1999, 1994. Okay. So in 1999, oh. no, no, fight no. back. And then, and then Bill, 96, Bill Paxton and or Pullman, yeah. whichever one it is, has his big speech. This is our Independence Day. Why am I talking like Nixon? Because it's the only president. 96. 96. Yeah. Yeah. So 45 years later. It's an entirely different climate, but really the story being told there is very similar. Yeah, it's a similar idea of like these guys are going to kill us. so We have to bend together. And it's interesting that you bring that up, too, because it's like that could be what happens after the the day the air system, right? It's like humanity bands together 
to figure out a way to kill Kato's race, or, or, or to kill Gort. Or, this ID4 is the sequel to the day, The Earth Stood Still, where the aliens show up ready to kick ass and destroy the planet because we haven't been. Well, yeah, but along. I mean, that doesn't play because nobody knows there's aliens. Well, that's true. Like, it's a, you can say, like, it's a spiritual thing. But here's the thing. The aliens and Independence Day are not... Happy aliens. Are not, well, no, not just that. They're not Klaatus and they're not Gorts. They're yeah, actually yeah. hypertrophied humans right. is what they are, right? right? It's like humans are eating up their resources and then like going somewhere else to eat more resources. That's what the guys from Independence Day are. They're locusts. Mm-hmm. They're actually like eviler versions of us. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. <laughs> what are we going to say about Mexico City? Uh, no, what I was going to say was about this thing uh, where the saucer landed and I was like, if something like that was going to happen today, my first thought was this would probably actually happen in China. Because if you think about it, what's the most populous country? Probably China. But um, I guess what's the-, the country with the biggest military? Again, this is a, a, a demilitarization right, 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 right. message, right? Right. What's the country with the biggest military? China. Um, you know, like. Uh, I don't know. It depends on what they know about. Sure. Earth, and they've only been monitoring the the, uh, and I find this funny at the very beginning of the movie. You're watching this television radio broadcast, um, <laughs> meaning it's simulcast. I don't know, yeah. but I mean, if they're monitoring our our airwaves, mm-hmm. and they've been listening to Rush Limbaugh for forty years, uh-huh. and not listening to fine podcasts like Zach on film, yeah. um, Zach on they film. are getting a very depending. No matter where it's coming from, whether that. That broadcast be coming from North Korea or China or India or sure. Russia or wherever. They're getting a very slanted view on how the world works. Oh, you guys, you guys, you guys have seen Contact, right? Yes. There, there's yes. a whole like yes. they they the the thing they get and they think they send back and like the aliens presumably don't even understand what they're looking at. Right, right. They send back a message uh, with, with from Hitler. Hitler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hitler's like big speech, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what the message is coded into, and it just like. Uh, uh, like all the white supremacist portion of the population are like, yay, space Hitler. <laughs> it's a great contact. Is a great movie. Yeah, it is. By the way, also very influenced by the dates. The years. Yes. Still. Yep. I think I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they would land in. Ch- I mean, if you're looking at population base, sure. You know, if they're if again, they're, if they're looking for no, if they're looking for major conflict, mm-hmm. they would land in the Middle East. Right. Sure. That's where they would land. If they wanted to say, hey, put your weapons down, yep. here we are. That's where they would and, land. And it, it really would depend on what rubric they're following. Yes. Now, as an American movie, even way back in the day, they're like, well, obviously they land in America. Because we're the greatest country in the right. world. That's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it like it depends. It's like, if they are looking for what's the country with the biggest nuclear arsenal that we want to take apart then yes they'd land in the united states mm-hmm. or possibly russia, or russia. Mm-hmm. um if they were like what's the country with the biggest immediate population probably china possibly india mm-hmm. um the united states does have a huge population mm-hmm. you know if they are like what's the country with the most natural resources per square like per hectare they would yeah. probably land in like costa rica or something yeah, like yeah. that like it, you know like it depends what the aliens care about would think is most most effective and more importantly value like if these were aliens who are like man look at those warlike humans let's go to the smartest most enlightened country as like who knows where they would land is like mm. what probably france well possibly well maybe belgium you know yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. A, a lot of northern european countries mm. place a lot of value in education right it's like there's a reason 
you know, like, you know, going back to Europe, there's a lot of there's a reason why there's a Geneva Convention, you know, that sort of thing is like, what are the countries that traditionally have been the uninvolved peacekeepers? Mm -hmm. Maybe they would land there. And again, we're still just thinking about the Western world. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff going on in Asia that we as people who live in the United States don't ever hear about that possibly if you're an omniscient space alien, you would actually understand. Well. Besides the fact that Klaatu speaks English and is a white guy. Right. The other reason to land in the United States is that's where the United Nations is, is housed. Sure. Yeah. And as but he does stay US- in the film, he does say, I do want to get and speak in front of your leader. So if you're only getting bits and pieces of what the United Nations is about through your radio broadcast, you might think that, oh, all nations are represented here. But again, here. that's poor planning on Klaatu's part because he should have landed in New York yeah, yeah, where yeah. the well, United I mean, Nations meets. I mean, would you rather land... But did they in a meet big in New open York space. in 1951? I don't know. You'd have to go back uh, and look and see what United Nations uh, there's were. Enough, I'm sure by... There's enough room in Central Park to yeah. park that saucer. Yeah, okay. but uh, it doesn't have a big uh, puddle of water and a giant phallic symbol. That you and you could, you could knock down <laughs> the, the, you know, the monument on your way through. So. What are some other things that you got? Uh, oh, we haven't even talked about the plot of the movie in this. In this, oh, we haven't. Yeah. We haven't talked I mean, about acting. We haven't. I mean, I mean, we're talking about general themes out. that come from this movie, and I think yeah. in some cases we've talked that there is a, as you mentioned, Rodrigo, there's this lasting legacy of sci-fi that mm-hmm. comes from this mm-hmm. film. Um, even though this isn't the first sci-fi film, um, we've talked about that, and then we've talked about a lot of different themes and ideas that this really movie kind of provokes like, the first yeah. film was the first sci-fi film like, yeah, yeah if you think about trip like million trip to the yeah. moon yeah, yeah. um uh, so i think what that's one of the nice things about movies is if they get you talking about whatever what would happen yes. if an alien landed sure. hey this movie is a success yeah as opposed to man if them aliens ever landed here i'm gonna whatever <laughs> so i think that that's a that's a good thing even if we're even though we're not talking about technique even if we're not talking about storytelling even if we're not talking about any of those things yeah the fact that this movie resonates so much through pop culture the fact that this movie um has this influence in philosophy yeah in Mm -hmm. religion in uh just general conversation i think this is a very successful movie yeah it's we usually get a couple movies like this i don't know like every couple of months where the the discussion is more on like themes and influences right. instead yeah. of uh, like production of the films, which is both great in both cases. Um, that's what I was thinking. Like Stephen's gonna ask me, "What did I get from this movie?" Or what, what am I gonna? Why? Why does he talk like Jerry Seinfeld? What am I gonna apply Steven. in my future? What's blah, blah, the deal blah. with Klaatu? <laughs> <laughs> You can all go. <laughs> How about that spaceship food? Huh? Uh, What's the deal with spaceship food? And then I was, <laughs> well, I mean, this didn't turn out to be. This is this movie is very different from um, "To Serve Man," which right. is a tale of aliens who come down and say, "Hey, we want to bring you peace, and we are going to facilitate peace for you. Um, we're going to solve your hunger problem. We're going to solve your." Pollution problem, we're going to solve every single problem that you as a planet have. Uh, and then if you want, you can come back to our planet. I mean, why wouldn't you want to come back to our planet? Look at us. We're magnificent aliens. And then it turns out because they want to eat us. Look at how weirdly tall we are. Yes. That's <laughs> because they want to eat us. This one is, we have superior technology, but we're not going to use it to solve your problems. Mm. You have to solve the problem yourself. Yeah. 
And I think that's, I mean, when you look at sci-fi, it either flips one of the two ways. Either Earthlings need to figure this crap out for themselves or death and destruction and it's a cookbook. Spoiler. Ten years later, though, I mean, Rod Serling was working with a world in which the day the Earth stood still existed. So he had this movie to play against when they made To Serve Man, which, by the way, the props from the day the Earth stood still were props that the Twilight Zone group actually had. Yep. Nice. Uh, in The Invaders and The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street and in uh, To Serve Man, you'll see chunks of this this film sets and, and uh, toys. But I think it's important when you talk about To Serve Man, even just 10 years later, this is an example. This is like the Ur example. When we talked about, what was it, Sunset Boulevard being kind of like a template with some early installment weirdness for like all of the noir movies and Psycho being a template for so many horror movies. This is your science fiction template in a lot of ways. This is the game changer that even now is still being felt. So if you make a reference to this movie or, you know, if, for instance, you put the title of this movie on a Matrix sequel and throw in a whole bunch of crap with uh, James Hong and some weird, you know, kind of CGI creatures in it, you're going to get a response and people are going to think they're knowing what they're getting because this is such an influential movie in both its tone and what it actually, you know, doesn't say on the film. So, Have you guys seen that? Keanu remake? No, I wanted to, but uh, I didn't get around to it. I actually think I watched all of it probably about four or five years ago on like HBO down at my mom's house. Okay, I don't know. I don't know anything about that story. All I know, I know is that there was a lot of stuff blowing up in the trailer. Yeah, is what I remember. which is which was which is totally not what happens. Which in this makes movie. way more sense. Uh, watching it was like, oh, because it's 2008 and we have to blow up things to make a sci-fi movie, which was an interesting ending for the 1951 uh, version of this film. I was like, oh, he's just going to kind of go on a monologue and then he's just going to float away and there's the title. Uh, it's definitely a different feeling, which was in- interesting that I have to go back half a like half a century to like have like a refreshing ending to a film where it doesn't yep. feel like like we're hitting all the same story points all the time. Uh, I yeah, there's well, a lot more construct destruction. Actually, in the Keanu one, it's not just one spaceship; a bajillion of them come down like uh, all over the world. Uh, pew, you pew. Know, when you like when you think beat. about when you think about this movie. Um, <laughs> It it operates it it kind of fires on all cylinders mm-hmm. because not only do the themes and the look of it and everything work together, also um, back in those days they just didn't have the same sort of budgets, right? right? Or, or or special effects expertise. So it's like mm-hmm. we are going to blow our special effects budget on melting tanks. And yeah. a flying saucer that becomes seamless when it closes, by which we mean we're going to, like, turn it so you can't see yeah. the team anymore, right? <laughs> um, and that's it. Klaatu looks like a person. Yeah. Gord is just, like, a, a big foam robot. That is a big um, tall guy. He's an actual seven-foot-tall guy. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the movie, when they talk about uh, Gord's hard hard material or it's impenetrable. You can see the And you watch it, and it's, like, it's like bending when he's yeah. walking. He's like, that looks like foam. Um. So, but again, like he looks like a person. There are almost after that. There are almost no special effects right. in the movie. Right, almost at it's all. It's all. It all becomes a a it's witch all, hunt. Film. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. It's all a think piece after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else, Zach? 
What'd you take away? <laughs> uh, Did the wife watch it with you? We got to say that now. Did your wife? No, watch she with didn't you? because I watched it while she was at work or shopping or something. Okay, I can't remember. But no, she didn't watch it with me. Uh, I think she watched about the last fifteen minutes since she said at the end. Well, that seemed boring. I said, "Well, maybe to you." But it, anytime I ask her if she wants to watch the movie for the week, and she's like, she, usually one of her first questions is, um, "How old is it?" Or is it black and white? Because mm. if it goes too far and it's black and white, she's most likely out. She she may not she may like next week's film, Invasion uh, of the Body Snatchers. No, she won't. Why? Because it's scary. It's scary. It's scary in a very different way. And and this is a, when we talk about remakes. And maybe we talk about this next week. Yeah. Because the day the Earth stood still has been remade. The Invasion of the Body Snatchers has been remade at least three times. Oh. Um. There's different takeaways that you get f- with each subsequent remake yeah. of that. So, yeah. Okay. I, so, uh, I just want to say a quick thing about like remakes. Okay. And, like the time of the piece for this film, like felt right because there was some like communist analogies. With, right. With, like we're coming out of World War II, and right. that's like still like happening in America. And to take this and like remake it in 2008. Like you're losing all of that, right? Yeah. Right. Like so, it's it's like when they remake films, they just say built-in audience. We can blow a lot of things up. Uh, it'll probably make its money back, so we'll attach some star to it. But like they're losing the context, the, the spirit, and like yeah. what the context of the film when it released a quarter of a century ago, fifty years ago. Yeah, and that's what like made that film what it was. Well, mm-hmm. which again, is just like remakes this- are. This movie and Invasion of the Body Snatchers are two movies that are steeped in the Red Scare era of movies, Mm -hmm. right? Where you don't know who you can trust. When you watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 1971, a lot of, I think it's 1971. uh, It's 71 or 72, Leonard Nimoy and Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. When they're in that, (laughs) a lot of the Red Scare bits are gone. And when you watch the the more recent one with... uh, uh, what's her name from Moulin Rouge? Um, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. That's even watered down even more to where it becomes yeah. more of a horror movie mm-hmm. than a yeah. sci-fi contemplative piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Although the, the, the Don- 1970s the, version yes, is about... Yes, Donald Sutherland is very scary that's a, in, in point, that's points. That's similar, but what it really focuses on is kind of a loss of self yes. in the midst of that me decade, which... Right. Is horrifying in a completely different way than what happens to Kevin McCarthy. Right. And I honestly like the 70s version better. I, I kind of do, too, only because Donald, Donald Sutherland screaming at the end is, is awesome. <laughs> that is <laughs> iconic, isn't it? Yes. Ah! Uh, yeah, Stephen did that to me every day for five yeah. years at school. And it's it's very different from um, what's his name in, in the 56 version running around screaming, don't you understand? They're everywhere. Uh, it's very, very <laughs> different. So, uh, so that will be we'll talk more about that next week, week on Zach next on Film. Week. In the meantime, head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and give any of your thoughts on the day the earth stood still or any of the themes we've talked about in this show. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com link where you can go buy any of your own favorite sci-fi movies. It's not going to cost you any extra, but a little bit. We'll come back to Major Spoilers to help keep this boat afloat. So next week, we will be talking Invasion of the Body Snatchers on Zach on Film.